0: the big bets on campus podcast podcast,
1: podcast. all right here we go Size of the fight in the door. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your co-host Mike Calvary, joined as always by Mike Ionello. And a reminder to our audience, you can follow over our picks over at the Action app. Just type in bbocg 5 Deep Dive to track along with our plays throughout the week. Approaching Maction when it goes to November. We got Sunbelt games during the week. You want to make sure that you have the alert set up so that you can see every single one of our picks Tuesday through Saturday. All right, INLO. So I would like to bring some positivity right off the top here and go with our G5 heroes. For my G5 hero, I'm going with Hindley Brigham, the running back coach at UAB. He's done a great job over the years. He coached up Spencer Brown, who is an undrafted free agent in the NFL. Now he's working his magic with Dwayne McBride. We were on UAB laying the points last week and the rushing attack went berserk. They went for over 300 yards against Middle Tennessee. Really didn't deviate from the script whatsoever. Going to give a hat tip to him for coaching up one of the best units in all of the G5.
2: Who's your G5 here of the week here, Ainello? I'm going with, speaking of action, Toledo cornerback, Quinion Mitchell. This dude had... Four interceptions against Northern Illinois. Two of them he returned to the house for pick sixes, and he very quickly finds himself third in the country in interceptions. I don't know why they kept throwing at him, but I'm glad they did. Quinian Mitchell, G5 hero of the week.
1: Would you say that perhaps inflated Toledo's value in that game? They went by, I think, what, 20 against you and I, and then. I don't know. Maybe we'll readdress this later in the podcast. How
2: about that? All yeah. right, so let's get your best bet here in week seven to get things started. I'm sticking in the MAC. I'm taking Eastern Michigan, minus two and a half against Northern Illinois. Eastern Michigan is just a totally different team when Taylor Powell is healthy. The three and one with him, he's averaging 295 yards per game, seven touchdowns in his full games. Samson Evans, he rushed for 105 yards per game as well. And this team ranks 20th in the country in success rate. Including seventh in rushing. Northern Illinois is 119th in success rate on defense. They're 121st at defending exposedness. They're one of the worst teams in the country at defending the pass. This Northern Illinois defense is just terrible. They've allowed 22 touchdown passes and at least three passing touchdowns in every game this year. They've played Eastern Illinois, Tulsa, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Ball State and Toledo, and they've given up 22 touchdown passes. to the. Who's the best quarterback of that group? NFL draft experts would say Will Levis, but I don't know. He probably is the best of that group, but still. Uh, Eastern Michigan is 18th in the country in finishing drives. Northern Illinois is 129th at preventing finishing drives on defense. I think Eastern Michigan is going to throw the ball all over them, and every time they get into scoring territory, they're going to score. Northern Illinois, on the other hand, has lost five straight games. Three of them without Rocky Lombardi, who still is questionable this week. I don't know that he'll be back. And we all know I think Rocky Lombardi stinks. But even I'll admit he's better than Ethan Hampton, who is averaging just six yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, six interceptions. We talked about it all year. Northern Illinois won the MAC last year on just all luck. We said the regression monster was coming. It's here. They're just bad. And I'm going to lay it under field goal with Eastern Michigan.
1: I mean, your stat right off the top, the performance of Eastern Michigan against the spread with Taylor Powell as their QB1. That's the key number here. And a great reclamation project story, honestly. You know, he, he had been all over the map playing for multiple schools. You want to see him finish his career strong. And it certainly seems like it, its it's been a successful marriage thus far in the MAC for him. I'm going to go with a, a team that you're familiar with. We're going to queue up the Wolf Pack. Wolf in the shotgun. And he's got him and you shall receive, my friend, from Hayden Wolf. going to take Old Dominion plus 13 against Coastal Carolina. And it has to be said at this point because James Madison is undefeated in the Sun Belt and they're in the top 25. And Coastal Carolina is undefeated but not of the same quality. Walker Basham is uh, an Action Network colleague. He does a great job putting together these dynamic one-sheeters that update with the five factors how teams perform, you know, against explosive plays on offense, on defense, and looking at Coastal, it's very clear, thanks to the color coding, that they're just not the the team that they appear to have been in the last two years. They're, the tan power rankings have them seventy third nationally. And the big thing is they give up big plays through the air, 98th overall in explosiveness allowed. And here comes the Monarchs, their 18th in passing explosiveness, almost all thanks to Allie Jennings the III, 21.5 yards per clip, which is number one among wide receivers in G5 lands with 15 or more receptions this year. I'm not going to overthink this. I've watched more than my share of uh, of Coastal Carolina games this year. Outside of Grayson McCall and you know what they've done in the backfield, they're just not special this year. So I think they're coasting on a reputation that they've earned in the last few years, winning so many games. But thirteen is a lot of points to an Old Dominion team that is feisty, that has some good wins already this season. I'm going to go with ODU. Any thoughts on fading the shots? You know, a team that's really earned their way into the hearts of gamblers over the past two seasons.
2: Oh, Mike, we might as well jump into the. Uh g5 high five right here shall we let's do it
1: the g5 high five
2: should we high five
1: high
0: five
2: i'm taking over 56 and a half in that game for kind of a lot of the things you talked about you talked about the explosiveness that old dominion's offense have they're 18th in the country in passing explosiveness and yeah this coastal defense has really taken a step back in defending explosiveness especially the past Ali Jennings is a star, 137 yards per game. That leads the entire country. You know, Hayden Wolf, nine touchdowns, just one interception. So I do like what Old Dominion is going to be able to do on offense. And I agree, this is a big mismatch about what Coastal does, giving up explosive plays. And Old Dominion is a very explosive offense. But on the flip side, we thought Grayson McCall would take a step back after losing all of his we- weapons, Javion Hiley, Isaiah Likely. He's still completing 70% of his passes. He has 15 touchdowns, just one interception. He is so damn good. I mean, he is just so good. And then uh, you mentioned it in the backfield. They lost Shamari Jones to the NFL. Reese White and Brandon Bennett were expected to be their top two backs. Well, Bennett hasn't even played yet. White's missed the last three games. And oh, yep, in comes, you know, C.J. Beasley averaging 87 yards per game. He's gone over 100 yards in two of the last three games. I believe it was your G5 here of the week la- uh, last week. This Jamie Chadwell offense is just such a well-oiled machine it's about as good of an offense you'll see in the G five. I don't know how Chadwell doesn't end up in the power five next year. They're ninth in the country in success rate, fourth in passing success, 24th in rushing success. They just do everything well. And this old Dominion team has very much struggled against the run. So I think Coastal is going to be able to just do what they do, run their offense and move the ball, you know, consistently on this old Dominion defense. And then when old Dominion has the ball, it's going to be the big play. They're going to score quickly. So I kind of like what you said about Old Dominion. I do agree with you. If I was going to take a side, I would play, obviously, we're riding with the Wolfpack. But I also like the over here because I think Coastal is going to be able to move the ball on this defense, and I like the explosive factor of the Old Dominion offense. So we're going to give you a little two-for-one special here.
1: Nice little bonus for ODU that they got Blake Watson back last week. This is you know, statistically one of the worst rushing teams in the country. But for most of that time, he was banged up. He was off the field, comes back. I think he had 80 rushing yards last year. Gives him just a little bit of balance, just enough to to keep the defenders in the box interested for Coastal. All right, for my addition to the G5 high five, I'm going to go with another Sunbelt play here. I was kind of surprised to see Louisiana Monroe, Monroe catching 17 at South Alabama It's been a long time since the Warhawks have been feisty, but I think that's exactly what they are right now. An outright win against Louisiana, who had been the gold standard in the Sunbelt West for years and a seven point loss last week to Coastal Carolina. They cover that number of 12 and a half. And honestly, it just comes down to, am I getting a lot of points and do I trust the quarterback? I do trust the quarterback. Chandler, Rogers and Sunbelt play six total touchdowns against just one interception, 70% completions and 36 yards per game on the ground as a dual threat. Last year, They were a two touchdown underdog to South Alabama at home, which was the largest um, against an FBS opponent in terms of points being laid by the Jaguars in over three years. They go out and win that game outright. Rogers was dynamic, 369 passing yards and four touchdowns. So I've already seen it on film. I've already seen what they can do this year in terms of covering numbers. I think this line's inflated by about three and a half points, crosses over that key number of 14 and up to 17. I really like the Warhawks here. I know South Alabama has been impressive. They almost had an outright win in Pasadena against UCLA. This is not to say that their offense hasn't taken a major step forward this season but 17 just seems a little rich for my blood so i'm going to go with the warhawks in what is becoming kind of an interesting up for grabs sunbelt west race what are your thoughts on chandler rogers and kind of going the bottom of the barrel absolute bottom of the board here with a team that's actually pretty competitive
2: yeah this is a weird game where you know i don't totally love it and i probably won't but i don't hate it either i definitely like getting above 17 i wouldn't play it if it got under 17 um I do like ULM. I think they're better than people think. But I also think South Alabama is just like sneaky, very good. I feel like their team we haven't talked about. No one's talking about them. But like, I think they're pretty good. You know, so that would make me nervous. Um, But I think getting the key number of 17 is is big here.
1: I, I do think there's a bit of a difference between being very good, which they are. I mean, this is a bowl team in South Alabama. Being very good and also being in a position where you regularly run away from teams. That's not been a spot they've been in for really the last five years. So it's kind of a a different level of expectation. How long do they play their starters? Do they look ahead? I believe they have Troy the following week, which is a critical game in the Sun Belt. So how much of that is look ahead factor? How much do they really keep the foot on the accelerator? I think we're going to learn a lot about South Alabama playing that,
2: you know, hunted role as opposed to the hunter. All right, what's your next one here for the g 5 High Five? I'm going to go back to the well fading Louisiana tech and I'm going to take North Texas minus six and a half. Um, Obviously the Louisiana tech fade did not work last week as they did get the win over UTEP, but UTEP was our underdog money line. So we knew that was cursed as soon as I gave it out. Uh, But UTEP outgained them 501 to 380. They just had, you know, it was the Gavin Hardison, three interceptions and a fumble. You know, he's had that kind of bugaboo throughout most of this season. One of the interceptions was a pick six. One of them set up a four play, 47 yard touchdown drive. And the other one was so far in UTEP's own zone that it set up a field goal despite a negative six yard drive. So, you know, it was kind of a fluky win. LaTeX, I still don't think it's very good. They're outside of the top 100 in success rate on offense and defense, outside of top 100 in Havoc on offense and D. They're 98th in rushing, 97th in passing. They don't do anything well. And we know North Texas wants to run the ball. Oscar Adai, Oscar Attaway are both just, they're so good. Adai, is averaging seven yards per carry. Attaway leads the conference in 29 missed tackles forced. Him and Adai are third and fourth in this conference in yards after contact. Well, Louisiana Tech is 97th in defending rushing success, and they rank 130th in tackling this team can't tackle anything a day in Attaway are going to run through them like a wet paper bag. And I just think the mean green are going to run the ball all day here. And they're going to buy a touchdown. So give me North Texas land six and a half against LaTeX. lot tech.
1: An advanced analytics alert here. I believe you're two North Texas plays away from setting the podcast record for games involving one team from G five land. So I appreciate that you continue to go back to the well. And I, can't I didn't even, even mention I- Austin on knee and his 29 year old ass. <laughs> there we go. I believe what major league baseball was in the Yankee system. Is that right? I was go. Yeah, there we go. Go Go Yanks. All right. I'm going to go with uh, two more plays here. And if you're going to pay close attention to my plays here in week seven, you're going to notice I'm all underdogs going back to the Sun Belt, Georgia Southern plus 11 and a half. And let me start it by saying this. James Madison's one of the best stories going in college football. They're undefeated. They're ranked in the top 25 in their transition year. Unbelievable. But do we know for sure that James Madison is that good? Because they played four teams that absolutely stink. Middle Tennessee, 115th in Sagarin. Norfolk State, 246th. Texas State, 140th. And Arkansas State, 114th. They did play against Appalachian State, and they played a tremendous second half. So for the whole season against a quality opponent, I've seen them play one really good half of football. So I'm going to take Georgia Southern plus 11 and a half. This is a Georgia Southern Eagle offense that is 28th in success rate. Ninth in rushing explosiveness, 21st in passing success rate. And last week, they just got, you know, snake bit with all the interceptions. Four INTs, they lose the turnover battle five to two to Georgia State. I don't know if that's something that James Madison can count on to be able to cover. Essentially, you're saying they're going to win by two touchdowns or better to feel comfortable about covering this number. I'm just going to go with the offense that I think has done a masterful job in year one under Clay Helden remaking themselves going from a, a pseudo triple option option tenants to this up-tempo one of the fastest teams in plays per second in the entire country Kyle Van Trees has talked about reclamation projects he's someone who's turned it around from his days in the MAC so I like the Eagles here catching points at home and I think James Madison is going to start to feel a little bit of the weight of those expectations now shifting to them with that you know number next to their name on the, the Chiron at the bottom of the screen what are your thoughts on fading the Dukes here in a Sunbelt matchup?
2: Yeah, I, I honestly consider this one. I think the only reason I didn't because I feel like I don't have a grasp on what James Madison is fully. Clearly, most people don't. Um, but I agree with you. I love Georgia Southern last week. I hyped them up. We took them against Georgia State. Obviously, they didn't cash, but I'm not going to overreact too much. I still think they're just as good as I did last week. And this Georgia State team that we were high on at the beginning of the year just kind of finally showed up. And like you mentioned, it was the, it was four interceptions by Van Trees that kind of made a difference. He still threw for over 350 yards. So... I haven't really changed my opinion on Georgia Southern. I still think their offense is sick. And while I didn't play it because I don't feel like I have a grasp on James Madison, I definitely like the side. I thought about it and I would play Georgia Southern if I had to.
1: What's interesting to me, the game within the game for James Madison and Georgia Southern is James Madison, at least on paper, their run defense has been tremendous this year. So does the tempo that Georgia Southern implements, does that throw them off in terms of personnel groupings and they're able to get some favorable looks in the box for Jalen White to, to get some rushing yards if, if they do? Then I think they really have a chance to to be balanced offensively. If it becomes a situation where they're constantly throwing 50 attempts in this game, it could be you know putting the ball in harm's way and have more interceptions. Kind of a repeat performance from Week Six. All right, I'm going to turn to my last play, another underdog. And in times of stress <laughs> and chaos, you need to go with the tried and true players of the G5. I'm going to go with Chris Reynolds and the Charlotte 49ers catching 23 and a half at UAB. Chris Reynolds is humming again. Last three games, 11 touchdowns, 297 yards per game. And on the other side of the thing, Charlotte's defense is so bad at stopping the run that offensive coordinators, opposing offensive coordinators have just said, why even throw the ball at all? In terms of teams in the country, they're facing the 128th worst run defense. That's Charlotte. And then top five usage by their opponents. So they just turn around hand the ball to their running back and just collect their touchdowns. What I think that's going to mean in this game is not as many chunk plays for UAB. I think they're going to score 30, 40 points, certainly into the 40s in this game. But Charlotte catching 23 and a half, I know that they, I would say, a top 20 G5 passing attack, maybe top 10 with Chris Reynolds. Garbage time, garbage time, garbage time. I'm just seeing this backdoor being left open for the 49ers. I'm going to go with a big total for a team that likes to win with defense and running the ball. North of three touchdowns seems generous to me, so I'm going to go there. I know we nailed UAB last week, and they absolutely drilled Middle, Middle Tennessee, but that was the team that did not have the same quarterback play. So what are your thoughts on the Blazers potentially taking the foot off the accelerator in the fourth quarter?
2: Yeah, if there's ever a team that will leave the back door open and can run through it at the blink of an eye, it's Charlotte. And I, it's one of this is one of those games where I think the back door will be open all game. And I think it'll be scary because UAB will probably be up like twenty one to three at the end of the first quarter and then you're sweating. but Charlotte's just gonna keep chugging along. The only thing that would make me nervous about this play is the very, as we've seen real possibility that Chris Reynolds gets hurt in the first half and then you're and then the door is slammed shut. Uh, but as long as Reynolds stays healthy, we've seen it. I agree the door will be open. The whole game, as far as that offense goes, you know, you're never gonna have to worry about them not being able to kind of claw their way back into a game.
1: Starting quarterbacks getting hurt, going to knock on wood on that one after losing Doug Brumfield last week for UNLV. That was that was tragic. I think they're going to be in trouble against Air Force. It looks like it's going to be Cameron Friel again. Why is it not Harrison Bailey? I don't understand why they're not playing Harrison Bailey. At this point, it is a mystery. Maybe he's got some injury, maybe some eligibility issues. But you would think just from a pure athleticism standpoint that they'd roll the dice with him because offensively, they look totally lost without Brumfield last week
0: against San Jose State. All right, before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So, kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200, and your first wager is risk free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york call or text the tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in mississippi in ontario if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you please contact connects ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii ohio and utah and other states were prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york
1: all right, now we turn to our money line underdog parlay, turning good weekends into great weekends. We say tongue in cheek here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Golden Flashes. This is my last time, last time dancing with them. I've been banking on them the last two weeks. One of the most dynamic offenses, at least in some of the metrics in the entire country, have let me down. But they're plus 260 on the money line traveling to Toledo. And it's the same script. We'll just see if it plays out any better for me. They're 20th in explosiveness in the entire country. When they get the running game going, it's super dynamic between Colin Schley and Marquez Cooper. And they've they've been really good at it and and popped even against some of the the better teams they played in the non-conference schedule. But they're 103rd in turnover margin. And I think that's what's hiding their value. Can they finally be on the right side of the turnover battle in this game? Toledo, on the other side, I will say this. Beyond my blind faith in the Golden Flash offense and my undying love for this program, Toledo doesn't generate any pass rush. 108th in sack rate, and they're 96th in Havoc. So Schley, who's fumbled the ball all over the place, it's either big plays in the passing game or on the ground, or he fumbles. Those are the three options. Having the opportunity and the time to operate in the pocket, I think it gives them a shot to not get off to a slow start for the third straight game. And if they can get him up to you know, his, his top level, he's 84.5 in terms of his pro football focus passing grade. They just got to finish drives. When they cross the opponent's 40-yard line, they're averaging 3.62 points per opportunity. That's 91st nationally. That stinks. They got to get that right. I'm a believer in Sean Lewis and Souter and this offensive staff to get it done. And I think at this point, it opened at seven. I think it, it's creeped up to nine. Plus 260, anything north of 225. I think there's too much value in one of the best offenses in the MAC. Fingers crossed that they keep the ball in their hands, don't turn the ball over. And if they do win the turnover battle, I'm going to go on record here. They're going to upset the Rockets and really throw a monkey wrench into the MAC race, both in the East
2: and the West. You, you can take some pot shots at me. I think I've earned it at this point. I'm just super high on Toledo. You know, Toledo's 14th in the country at defending the rush. And that's what Kent State wants to do. And you, you even measured it. When they're at their best, they're running the football. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Rocket defense. And when they're passing it, you know, they turn the ball over and Toledo's got a dude that just picked off four passes in one game. If you wanted to convince me to play nine, I could maybe be considered to do that. But as far as money line, I just, I don't think Kent State's going to be able to run, run the ball on this Toledo defense. And that's going to force them to throw. And they have not had success doing that. So I don't like it, but hey we need a win.
1: So I hope you're right. <laughs> well, I will say this. I think you're even underselling how good the Toledo run defense is because their stats are thrown off by the fact that you up 77 points to Ohio state. So that has really kind of shifted the the whole statistical narrative on them this season. I will say this when Kent throws the football, they can be explosive. and I do think they have the, the top wide receiver duo in the Mac. Turnovers, 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 fingers crossed to get some turnover luck in this game. I think I'm due at this point, you know, to check in on that Miami game last week. By the time I, I updated the action app and it was 17 nothing already, they end up playing a great game after that. They just cannot dig a hole, particularly to the cream of the crop in the MAC. All
2: right, who are you pairing up for our underdog parlay of Week 7? This was kind of a tough week. <laughs> I'm going with Rice, plus 155 at FAU. I think Rice is just a lot better than I thought they'd be. They're three and two with wins over, you know, McNeese state, but they have upset wins over Louisiana and UAB as double digit underdogs. So they have, and they've already had, you know, if they were on the Moneyline underdog parlay, you know, twice already, we'd we'd have cash. And then they lost by seven to a Houston team as 17 and a half point dogs. And they finished even in yardage in that game. So yeah, it's easy to point and say, okay, Houston's obviously not as good as we thought. Louisiana's not as good as we thought. But at the end of the day, those are still, Good good wins over you know teams that were favored to win by 10. Uh Wiley Green started the year as their quarterback, but just like last year, gets hurt almost immediately. TJ McMahon comes in and he's actually been pretty good. He's averaged 250 yards per game, four starts, got nine touchdowns, four picks. Luke McCaffrey, who they shifted from quarterback to receiver, has surprisingly been pretty good at receiver for them. He's averaging over 70 yards per game. He had over 100 yards against Louisiana and Houston. Rice is one of those teams where they're not particularly great at anything but they've just they've been league average in almost every category which is better than most people expected you know it it sounds weird to brag about rice ranking in the 50s and, and almost you know success rates and stuff like that but i think that's a lot better than we would have pegged them at the beginning of the year meanwhile fau has been super disappointing they're just two and four with wins over charlotte week one and then southeast louisiana They've lost to four straight FBS teams. They just got blown out by North Texas. This defense is horrible. They're outside of the top 100 in success rate, preventing finishing drives. They're especially bad against the pass. They've allowed 14 touchdowns through the air. They've allowed teams to complete 67% of their passes. That's 116th in the nation. So, you know, actually network power ratings, uh, actually have Rice as the better team on a neutral field. They actually are higher up in the power ratings. So, when you're picking a money line underdog, you know, Rice is three and one against spreads underdog with two outright victories. So I kind of like the idea of having a team that is better than we expected going up against a team that is worse than we expected. So I kind of like the upside here with uh, Rice, who's on the upswing versus FAU, who I think is on the downswing, especially when you're factoring, you know, preseason expectations and where they rank in the power ratings and stuff like that, where I'll take the team that's that's kind of outperformed what we expected here. We won't drag our feet talking out the underdog money
1: line parlay until we actually win one. So we're going to move on to what's quickly becoming the most profitable segment, which is what was on the cutting room floor? What are your bonus picks? I'll get it started here with a game that is so far down the board. I wouldn't be shocked if you have to stream it on Stadium or Facebook Live. Of course, referring to the Rio Grande rivalry between New Mexico and New Mexico State. little fun nugget here. This game will be broadcast in the Navajo language. So it may as well be the wind talker rivalry in this one. I think that between these two teams, New Mexico should be laying double digits. They're only a six and a half point favorite. They're four and two against the spread this year. And we talked in August about the Mountain West Conference. And there was a lot of teams on our hit list that we couldn't wait to fade. We were talking Nevada, Hawaii, Wyoming, New Mexico, certainly chief among them. Mexico has been secretly feisty. New Mexico State is still the kind of mismatched, you know, from a roster perspective team where they don't have a true identity. They're playing musical chairs, at quarterback. I'm going to go with New Mexico here in the Rio Grande rivalry and not overthink it. I, I was surprised to see that number in the single digits and I'll take advantage of it below the key number of seven. How about you for a bonus pick here? I know you were deep in New England, you know, looking at the foliage last week. What's your pick this week?
2: Hey, you in know, New England. Uh, is UConn low key a wagon? Wouldn't hate taking the points with them against Ball State. As I mentioned, thought about Western Kentucky against Middle Tennessee. Still think Middle Tennessee's bad. People are just remembering that they beat Miami. What are your thoughts on ECU? minus four and a half against Memphis, you know, Memphis obviously got that over win for us against Houston, but that was such a brutal loss that really, they just, they completely blew that game. And I still like this Pirates team. They've kind of lost a little bit of their running game, but we still like Holt and Aylers And it just comes down. To it's one of those things where if, if Ehlers protects the football or they'll lose, you know what I mean? Like ECU is either going to win by, you know, 10 or lose this game. So ECU minus four and a half, I kind of like. Maybe even throw a little money, Memphis money line to hedge it because that's just how ECU kind of is. But I like getting the Pirates at home here at at, at four and a half. So that that one was the, kind of my last one off the card. How about a middle so big you could drive a Mack
1: truck through it? Why don't you go with Memphis money line and ECU alternate minus ten? Minus- because either either we're getting the uh, you know all star Holden Ailers throwing for five touchdowns, or he'll turn it over four times and they'll lose outright. I, I think that's the right way to think about that game. I mean, there's, he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde every single time for the Pirates. So I don't know. I I think that's the right way to think about it. Yeah. EC minus seven. And then also Memphis money. That that might be the play. (laughs) Heads up to our listeners out there. Every single weekday throughout the end of the world series, we're going to have playoff baseball action for you, covering it all through our baseball betting podcast, Payoff Pitch. So if you want some baseball action, check out the Payoff Pitch podcast presented by our friends at BetMGM. And now a quick recap of all of our picks here in terms of our best bets. I like Old Dominion catching 13 against Coastal Carolina. INLO is on Eastern Michigan laying two and a half. For our G5 high five, I like Louisiana Monroe plus 17. Ionello is on North Texas, laying six and a half and over in the Old Dominion Coastal Carolina game, over 56. And then finally, to round out our G5 high five round robin, I like Georgia Southern catching 11 and a half at home against James Madison and Charlotte catching 23 and a half traveling to UAB. For our underdog Moneyline Parlay, we're teaming up Kent State plus 260 and Rice plus 155. This Moneyline Dog Parlay pays out plus 820. All right, for Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus podcast banner presented by BetMGM. A reminder to our listeners that you can check out Colin and Stucky on Thursday, giving you the full rundown of the entire FBS slate, top to bottom, no stone left unturned. And on Saturday morning, catch Colin, Stucky, and Brett McMurphy as they discuss line movements, action, injuries, coaching intrigue, everything to get you positioned for Profitable Saturday. Thanks so much and best of luck this weekend.